the YU Ideas podcast. Today's episode celebrates Israel at 70 by looking at Israel education. I'm Rona Novik, the Dean of the Azraeli Graduate School of Jewish Education and Administration here at Yeshiva University. And with me today is Mrs. C.B. Nugrishel, the head of school of the YU High School for Girls, also known as Central, and Rabbi Josh Khan, the head of school of the YU High School for Boys, the Marcia Stern Talmudical Academy, affectionately known as MTA. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Why don't we start with a pretty basic question, which is, what are the goals of Israel education of schools here in the U.S. today in 2018? So it, it's pretty clear to me that we are living during what can be described as probably the most affluent period of Jewish history, making it actually remarkably hard to value what we're living through. Um, we're people of history, we're people of memory, we're always aspiring, we're always dreaming, we're always thinking about either what we've lost or what we're aiming for. Um, and so to really value what you're living through and to know it intimately um, is actually quite difficult. Um, Professor Yoshami made it clear in his monograph, Zahor, that we are a generation that knows more than ever about our history and feels even less connected to it. And so in many ways, I think that the uh, goal of Israel education for our generation is to know that we're living the dream of 2,000 years and to feel it in our bones. And in order to do that, I think there are three tiers. It's making sure that knowledge is not something we take for granted and that we also move from the sphere of learning into recognizing the impact of what we know or don't know and how it affects our identity. And then third is to feel that there's a cause there for us to be fighting for, that there's a call to action. Um, that we aren't just the passive recipients of the incredible sacrifices of the generations before us. So when you're living the dream, it's, to me, um, so significant that we work towards acknowledging the dream that we're fortunate to have been given. Thank you. Rabbi Khan. Education in the year 2018 is increasingly complex. We've moved beyond an educational model that attempted to impart knowledge into a system that's more focused on holistic education and reaching the cognitive and effective domains with great intentionality. Israel education is a great example of this because we want our students to have more than a factual understanding of the state of Israel and Zionism. With Israel education, in particular because of our focus and wanting our students to relate to and feel a real sense of religious Zionism, we focus on a value system and the affective domain. This is much more challenging because it cannot be covered exclusively through a textbook. We must think of ways to provide our students with an opportunity to live with, engage, see, and partake in religious Zionism. This shifts us into a more experiential educational model. We must strive to provide our students with unique, immersive experiences that help them see, sense, and appreciate religious Zionism and the role of Israel. The last point to consider within Israel education is that our students evaluate our priorities based on the decisions we make and the time we allocate. While every modern Orthodox Yeshiva high school will include a reference to Zionism in their mission statement, students will be sensitive to seeing if it is something given importance within the school value system or simply something given lip service. Making Israel education a priority must be reflected through what we emphasize as far as the high school experiences we provide. 
So intriguingly, both of you talk about this as being a kind of special time. I'll date myself here. I'm from the Aerogram generation, where connection to Israel and trips to Israel were a luxury and a rarity. And we are in some ways blessed, as you said, CB, with such connection and such opportunity. You talk, Rabbi Khan, Josh, about immersive experiences. You know, the percentages of students going to Israel now post-high school are extraordinary. And yet, I also hear behind your words that perhaps there are some unique challenges that this generation of students present in terms of educating them about the reality and the dream and vision of Israel. So I, I feel that, um, as you've mentioned, the privilege of either being able to visit multiple times as a child or even to aspire to go for a gap year or a summer program, or perhaps even for those families who can't, but see how available that possibility is. You'd imagine that the connections were stronger um, and that they translated more into the bones of identity than perhaps they are. And what I'm not what I'm not seeing is that there's a lack of passion or a lack of idealism. I I find our students to be um, extraordinarily idealistic and and feeling the ideas and the ideals of religious Zionism. Um, at the same time, I also think they're fighting against a culture um, that privileges individuality over community um, and that privileges immediacy over historical perspective. Um, and therefore, when it comes down to uncomfortable conversations, um, the challenge of um, being able to really see yourself as a defender, as, a, as someone who identifies as a religious Zionist, no matter what, um, as a core element of your identity, um, I think is hard. I think sometimes Israel and Zionism um, is, uh, is relegated to, uh, to simple spaces. Um, like trips and moments of celebration, um, but uh, that we have the responsibility to help our students navigate the complicated spaces because that's going to be countercultural in their life in the diaspora for sure um, and will be critical if they're going to make that decision um, to fully identify and invest in the religious Zionist enterprise by making Aliyah. Um, so we're not doing anyone any service by not recognizing those tensions um, that are emerging as uh, as a part of the diaspora Jewry for sure. And I think if I can reiterate that the tensions are primary in two spaces for me. One is um, the culture of individuality over community. Um, what is good for me is good for me. What's good for you is good for you. And what does it even mean to have a national identity and to have a peoplehood and to have a state that we are all going to sacrifice our own needs for? That, I think, is something very hard for our students to, to understand in a real sense, not just in this idyllic, idyllic uh, tekes experience. Um, and the second one is the, um, the experience of their lives of being really in charge of making decisions um, that are immediate, um, the customization of their life, the, the personalization of everything and the ease with which everything comes um, in contrast to the religious Zionist enterprise is all about historical perspective. Everything that's challenging to us now is an incredible miracle if you look at it in the context of 70 years. Um, and what the next 70 years will look like will only be affected by our students if they are willing to see themselves as 
active agents within that historical perspective. And I think those two components are really mindsets that are hard um, for the uh, 21st century American teenager. Do you see the same with the men, Josh? So a lot of it certainly dovetails in terms of the men. Uh, you know, I, I see an additional layer of challenge in our generation, and that really is built on the great success and growth uh, that our state of Israel has experienced, uh, which is on the one hand an incredible celebration, at the same time a challenge for our generation. Um, layered onto that is the notion of, uh, I, I think, comfort and success that we've experienced in the United States and, and recognizing that at this point uh, our, our adolescents are not an immigrant society. They're, they're uh, the next step in, in multi-generations of families that have grown up in the United States and therefore naturally feel an affinity and a, a gratitude towards the United States. And that does create a sense of conflict uh, when we don't necessarily see uh, the interests of the U.S. dovetailing with the interests of Israel. Uh, but to really focus on this notion of the su success of Israel and the challenge that that creates for our students, um, our generation of students, the, the teenagers of today, are privileged to really have grown up in the aftermath of 1948. They can take the Six-Day War and the unification of Yerushalayim for granted, and they can also assume relatively strong U.S. support. Israel is a world power militarily and economically. As a result, we do not feel the same sense of desperation regarding the state of Israel as other generations before us felt. It's important to remember the connection between the Holocaust and the declaration of the state of Israel, not just as historically connected, but nationally and politically connected events as well. APAC and NORPAC have worked and have experienced some success in providing our adolescents with an opportunity for political activism. However, luckily, this activism comes from a place of great strength rather than a position of desperation, which undoubtedly has an impact in terms of our adolescent development. Educationally, we need to provide our students with the ongoing understanding and appreciation of our need to support the state of Israel and its continued safety and growth. So interestingly, both of you talk about kind of the, the challenge of riches, that we're in a good place in, uh, in this generation. And yet, when you look at voices from the outside, not religious Zionist schools like yours, not Yeshiva University, but what students are exposed to in the messages of the broader world, uh, they're not necessarily hearing such rosy visions and views of Israel. How do you prepare your students to deal with the inevitable BDS, media negativity, accusatory uh, stances, and sometimes large inaccuracies that they will hear beyond your walls? Yeah, I find that that's one of the uh, hardest realities. We are... Um we're inundated with great blessings. We're so fortunate, and I would never, ever wish upon my current students, my children, uh, the next generation, the challenges and the sacrifices that the previous generations had to had to see. They fought the fought. They, they won the battle. Maybe they didn't win the war, but we are so comfortable. We are so fortunate. We are so, frankly, beloved and well-integrated into our professions and into our communities. Um, we really see ourselves as sharing so many values. And so when you turn on the news and you hear um, 
such a uh, entirely different perspective. Um, and you wonder whether it's uh, appropriate to be critical because, after all, this is just the nightly news. You know, this is the news that tells me about other things that I really fully agree with. Um, and so I do find that there is uh, um, a, a crucial component of uh, educating our students to remember um, what it means to be an Ivri. What it means, and education typically also is not even on Jewish issues. Import, it's an, there's an importance to try to help our students see multiple perspectives, and with that um, lens, to understand that our identities as uh, American Jews and as American Zionist Jews are not going to be um, mirrored in the in the popular culture, in the majority culture. The person who's sitting on the news and the millions of people who are who are their consumers are not exactly like us. And what does it mean to be a little bit different and comfortable in our differences? If anything, that should be the blessing of a multicultural society, um, not one that asks us to homogenize and pasteurize ourselves and make ourselves just like everybody else. You know, and true independence and in individuality would allow us um, to celebrate um, a different opinion um, with strength and, uh, and courage. But I know that that's actually quite hard. Um, so for me, it's a mandate um, to really make my students feel comfortable in the in the discomfort and in the uncomfortable conversations, um, to feel proud, to be different, and to challenge uh, assumptions. Um, and I think that those are values that are important in a lot of educational environments, but especially so when we're a minority perspective and a minority view around an issue that we think we care about so much, but we have a hard time articulating and finding the voices because we cannot just simply mirror um, the voices and the words that we hear in the popular culture. Um, so I think number one is uh, from an affective perspective and an intellectual perspective to recognize that it, there's real strength um, in being an alternative voice, uh, especially if it's a voice that you're knowledgeable about and that you feel um, you can um, uh, draw on your intellectual arsenals and of ideas um, to defend. Um, so really training students that choose this cause um, to know their history um, and not just assume it um, uh, is one that everyone else knows and shares those uh, that common knowledge. Um, and, uh, and on a third level, to give our students permission um, to be passionate Zionists and still uh, thoughtful, um, worried, uh, engaged critics of, the, of what's going on in the world. They don't have to sacrifice their American values just to be religious Zionists, and you don't have to accept everything that you see on the news um, as an American. You, as an, the, the American voice of critique, of progress, of, of dreaming, can also be a religious Zionist voice um, that doesn't think the project's over, that's really looking uh, to engage and to uh, um, and to be active. What does my Jewish identity, my religious values, my understanding of the blessing I've been given, call on me to do right now? Um, that's like an amazingly empowering moment. Not every student's ready for it. It's not something you program, but certainly as an institution, um, that's a, a goal that we have to try to aim for. 
So as you pointed out, I mean, our students are no doubt influenced by what they hear about and what becomes normalized in culture around them. And hearing about the BDS movement, hearing, you know, quote unquote, balanced media coverage, which often portrays Israel as an aggressor, uh, it does cause our students to question our position. And appropriately, um, it's impossible to create a cocoon around our students where they won't hear and be challenged by this. Uh, I had the opportunity actually to go with a group of high school boys uh, to visit UCLA. We're going to visit the basketball stadium, a seemingly uh, you know, innocent kind of experience just to watch some good basketball uh, and spending about five minutes on campus, just walking from one building to another. Our students were actually attacked um, verbally and, and I'd say lightly physically uh, by some person on campus who had anti-Semitic and anti-Zionistic views. And he unleashed on our students uh, who, who were guided by visibly non-Jewish students uh, who are not you know, necessarily Zionists. And that was a pretty um, eye-opening experience for these adolescents. We had the opportunity um, to, to really reflect on that experience afterwards. And interestingly, you know, in certain ways, that was probably somewhat um, enriching for our students and empowering for them to understand uh, at times how illogical and irrational the anti-Zionistic views can be. And, and they were emboldened by some of the bystanders who came to our defense and, and really uh, sent away this individual. So, uh, you know, certain ways the, the society around us can be challenging, in certain ways it could also be empowering, and it probably behooves us to find those opportunities and those pockets for our students to really feel that sense of support and moral dignity that I think uh, Zionistic views have within them. Uh, but it's our responsibility also to provide our students with both the knowledge base and I think the fortitude, the self-confidence to really articulate our position. Uh, we need to imbue them with the self-confidence to really recognize the validity of our positions. Uh, we do so, I think, by providing our students with a historical perspective, both in terms of the Torah perspective, the religious perspective, in terms of our claim to the land, as well as the views of what have happened you know, over the last, uh, the last century, the last 70 years, and, and, and the claim historically that provides for us within the state of Israel, the historical perspective. And, and I think, as CB pointed out, certain axiomatic principles that our students should appreciate from other areas within our school perspective. So whether it's that notion of being an Ivory, which which really emerges you know, in simply studying the life of Avram Avinu, but being able to appreciate what it means to be an individual with individual beliefs or an individual nation with their own nationalistic beliefs, or using Hanukkah as a notion of Rabim Biad Matim, of being able to really appreciate um, the self-confidence in our own views and, and being able to even be a minority view when appropriate uh, within a greater culture of the Rabim, but nevertheless, to have the self-confidence to stand by our views. So we need to give our students, I would say, the knowledge, the ability to articulate those views, but also the internal self-confidence to believe that in the end, we need to convince ourselves of our moral imperative. And we don't necessarily have to uh, go ahead and convince everyone else that we're in the right in order to be believers in our perspective. Thanks for sharing such a teachable moment. You couldn't have planned a better opportunity to enforce some of the things that you're talking about uh, had you planned it. Um, you've inadvertently, through your comments, both of you shared some of the ways that you are um, working to impart notions of Israel and what our relationship to Israel can and should be. But can you share one or two specific programs that exist in your school and what impact do you think they're having in terms of connecting your students to Israel? 
So I think a number of years ago, um, as as maybe um, common in a lot of yeshiva high schools, uh, we've changed our curriculum to make modern Israel um, a core component uh, for every single student. Um, the knowledge base is crucial. Um, we don't assume it. Uh, whether or not you travel there, you just need to know the stuff. Um, however, I think more impactful than just a class, a class that you study for, a class you take notes for, um, is more of the immersive identity building um, experiences. Um, and again, I believe very strongly in education being like structurally um, designed. Uh, we don't take for granted certain values that um, might be considered hidden curricular values need to be uh, amplified in really practical ways. And so our tefillah is uh, on a daily basis, um, a reflection of our values. Um, we always include Shalom Medina or if anything's happening in Israel, you know it right away. Um, it's palpable, it's announced, there's extra Tehillim. Um, and I know that tefillah is not always a space for every single teenager, um, and whether or not they are um, personally, religiously moved, they're certainly hearing and feeling the wallpaper and the culture of Medina Israel being present here. Um, I think one of the most unique um, experiences and programs that both Rabbi Khan and I um, have in our school is our uh, exchange program. Rabbi Khan will talk about um, the Makar Chaim program. We have a Open Atzvia um, exchange program for 10th graders uh, who go to Israel and live and learn in um, in a Rav Kook in Opana uh, in Maladumim, and they're there for about five to six weeks. And it isn't just the travel program. It isn't the summer program. It isn't a vacation. It's really making peer groups um, and sharing experiences about what it means to live um, the religious Zionist dream. And then those girls come back, um, and the girls who hosted our students come and are hosted um, at Central uh, for a number of weeks as well um, to bring a Torah Eretz Israel and uh, and um, the Avira and the values and 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 recognize that with the same spoken values we still have this gap um, and we need to learn from each other. I think uh, our students. Um, learn a tremendous amount. They just walk right into classes. doesn't matter what the sefer is that they're learning, but they're really just starting um, from scratch as they go into uh, the opana. Um, and when the opana girls come, I don't think they understand what it means, frankly. The definition of a religious Zionist who lives in the diaspora is a real question mark for Israelis. Um, and to experience a, a fervor and a commitment and idealism in our building, um, I think they walk away with an entirely new understanding of our commitment to to uh, to the security, to the safety, to the love of Medina Israel, even from Queens. Yeah, I, I think as discussed earlier, you know, when thinking about religious Zionism in particular and the value and the lifestyle that it is. Uh, it challenged us to think about what are ways that we could try to inculcate those values, that lifestyle in our students. Um, and, and as all really, I think, educational beliefs, uh, the question that, that we sit and consider is how can we really empower our students, uh, create a personal connection for them, create an experiential opportunity for them, 
really inculcate the passion and the leadership opportunity for our students. And there are two uh, experiences, two programs that we're incredibly proud of when we think about trying to give our students that notion of passionate Zionism. One is, as CB mentioned, our Makor Chaim Exchange Program. Uh, and it's very hard to, you know, again, sit in a classroom in the United States and really try to get our students inspired and uplifted about religious Zionism from a bunch of Jews living in America. Um, and understandably, uh, it, it's more effective when it's coming from a religious Zionist movement in Israel. And so our students have the opportunity to spend about five to six weeks learning in Makor Chaim. It's about 15 sophomores. Um, and again, as CB said, they're not touring. They're not just visiting, but they're living as Israeli teenagers. They're in the dorm, learn like Israelis, they talk like Israelis, they eat like Israelis, they act like Israelis, whatever that means. But they really experience Israeli culture, um, and not just Israeli culture, but specifically Israeli high school life culture. Uh, and that's an incredibly uh, positive experience for them. It's an inspiring experience for them. It then gets magnified when they come back, our students come back to MTA, and with them come four Israeli uh, juniors in Makor Chaim, and those Israelis infuse our building, again, with religious Zionism. So now you have a whole group of our students, our current sophomores, our juniors last year who went on the Makor Chaim program, and our seniors who went two years ago on the Makor Chaim program. So 45 of our current students, plus the four Israelis, you have a real powerful, um, I think, energy of this religious Zionistic feeling within our building. And the four Israelis are like rock stars when they're in our building. They go around sheer to sheer. They bring that Israeli culture throughout the building. And we have programs that magnify it. We have programs that really put them front and center um, in imbuing that religious Zionism for our students. And so it's an incredibly impactful experience for our students. And as a value, it's something that we talk about already from recruitment in eighth grade through the high school experience. So I think our students really get a sense and feeling that this is really important. This is a core principle of who we are as a modern Orthodox Yeshiva high school uh, in the United States. That's one experience. The second experience we have uh, is an Israeli advocacy club called Hatzioni, which really culminates with an MTA pack, like APAC and NORPAC, the notion of providing our students with that, that student leadership to really be uh, advocates on behalf of the state of Israel. And the students really throughout the year, they publish four uh, magazines, so quarterly magazines, which really run the gamut of articles related to Israel, culture, history, politics, military. Uh, they hear from a range of speakers about the state of Israel. And then again, empowering our students to take the initiative, to take the leadership role. They plan from beginning to end, from soup to nuts, this MTA pack so that our students aren't just being brought along to advocate, but they're really empowered to plan and to lead an advocacy mission to Washington. They walk away with a lot more, really, than I think they give to the state of Israel. Wow. Uh, I wish I was a student in either Central or, I guess I can't be an MTA. That would be a little bit awkward. <laughs> yeah, a little bit awkward. Um, but I'm really impressed with what you shared today, both in terms of the challenges as well as the opportunities. I'm wondering in our last few minutes, if you have any thoughts about either further readings, books, videos, things you've seen or read that you think would be of particular use to either teens or those who work with them. So I do think that as we think about education holistically, um, and especially with the multiple um, media outlets and platforms, um, our students are actually seeing things and connected online um, 
sometimes even before we do. We have this like continuous loop of conversations about, did you see this and did you see that and did you see the other? Um, it's a little bit hard to archive um, the information that's available. Um, so I do think that uh, creating opportunities for those um, conversations is one of the things that um, I've enjoyed a lot because as passionate uh, teens, they're they're fully engaged uh, on the issue and on the and on the resources. However, for me personally, I go back to the classics. Um, I really think that uh, we're able to be where we are because of um, the ongoing advocacy and dreams of um, of Rav Cook, of Rav Salvechik, of um, those who some sometimes didn't even see the results. Um, of their dreams, um, looking at uh, our reality and uh, training for myself, training myself to be inspired by those who dreamed beyond what seemed possible, um, really is uh, something that uh, that I enjoy and that I um, find myself moved by. Um, and I think that that sort of like opens up the the horizon uh, for my students, not to tell them, hey, look at this clip and this video, this is what's going to be the solution, but really to ask them, um, just like Rav Cook and, and uh, Theodore Herzl didn't know and didn't see and couldn't imagine, what do you not know, what do you not see, what can you possibly imagine, where are we going, um, and, and invite them to, to answer that question. So like CB said, our students have access to such an array uh, of educational opportunities, videos, speakers, books, um, and, and sometimes are aware of things and bring things to our attention, uh, that this is an area in particular which requires that personal connection, requires our students to find what speaks to them most. Uh, Rav Dov Singer, who's actually the Rosh Yeshiva of Makor Chaim, came to be a visiting professor at, at Yeshiva University for a couple of months, and we had the opportunity to meet with him to talk about tefillah. Uh, and one of the things that he really emphasized in terms of trying to inculcate an appreciation of tefillah within our adolescence is just modeling, not modeling for the sake of teaching, but modeling so they could see our own personal connection to tefillah. I think in a similar vein, I think about what inspires me, what speaks to me, uh, what's helped me kind of shape my views towards the state of Israel, uh, the Jewish people, Medinat Yisrael, and certainly it's a range of speakers, a range of writers who have helped shape my view. Uh, it starts first and foremost with Torah and rabbinic leaders um, who really, I think, have instilled a love of the Kedush of Eretz Yisrael, Am Yisrael, Medinat Yisrael, um, really beginning with Rav Kook, uh, the Merkaz Harav Kook followers, um, and the Yeshivat has their world, which is, you know, I think primary in terms of shaping that view. I had the privilege of learning from Rav Benny Eisner, who was a student of Rav Kook when I learned in Mevaseret, and he certainly imbued that sense of a love of the, the land of Israel, a real strong emotional and religious connection that I still feel towards religious Zionism. Rav Aaron Lichtenstein Zatzal is also someone from whom I had the opportunity to learn when I spent a year off in, my, in the Smicha program learning in Shiva University's Gross Campus. Um, and he too, as a real religious Zionist leader, um, helped me appreciate this, the, the, the role of Torah Eretz Yisrael within my own development. Um, and since coming to MTA, I had the privilege of meeting with, with two of our alumni who I'll highlight, who are real passionate supporters of Zionism. Uh, Alan Dershowitz, who came last year uh, to speak, and Yossi Klein Halevi, uh, who, who famously wrote Like Dreamers. Uh, and, and before each speech, I had an opportunity to sit down uh, with each of these alum. And, and, and they, I, I would say, 
also helped shape that continued view uh, in terms of Zionism and the state of Israel. Alan Dershowitz is well known to be really an ardent defender of the state of Israel, uh, but, I, but I think he's also a champion of appreciating that we're not simply defenders. We can be strong advocates and believers in Israel. We don't have to be in the defensive position, but we can confidently uh, feel that Israel is an incredible and amazing place. In Like Dreamers by Yossi Klein Halevi, we're able to feel ourselves transformed to a different place and a different era. Uh, he, he so brilliantly is able to really, I think, captivate and, and transform a different place and a different era, making us really feel like, like we're somewhere else. Um, in his introduction to Like Dreamers, there was, there was a line in there that really uh, that, that stuck with me. Um, he has on the dedication page, he quotes Shira Malos, in which we describe ourselves as dreamers who are able to appreciate all that Hashem has done for us. And he also quotes Hanan Porat, who states, we are writing the next chapter of the Bible, really reflecting, I think, this duality of appreciating where we came from, our past, what's gotten us here, and, and at the same time, dreaming to the future, which is, I think, a tension that very much resonates with us. One of the places I find tremendous inspiration is not only the famous alumni, but perhaps our alumni who are less famous, but, but simply have led by action. Those who have gone to defend uh, our country by entering Tzahal, those who have made Aliyah, I find each of these alumni to be inspiring. Their decisions really send us a message that they've internalized. I think what our value system is, obviously these decisions are complex decisions, but they're decisions that really, I think, inspire me. Um, and I find that the range of leaders, the range of thinkers, the range of authors provide me with religious, political, national pride and inspiration, uh, both about what we've accomplished, as well as really dreams of, I think, our future and ultimately the geula that we hope to experience within Israel. Well, I want to thank both of you. I want to just um, reflect and, and close with a very brief story that on my kind of gap year experience in, in Israel, one, one time I was traveling on, you know, a poor student salary, but a, a, an, an older relative came and was hiring a tour guide with a car and invited me to join them for a day of traveling. And the car drove through the Mandelbaum Gate up to Hartsofim. And I said to my relatives, at that time, Eastern and West Jerusalem were, were easily transpersed. And I spent a lot of time in East Jerusalem as well as West Jerusalem. And I said, I could not imagine Jerusalem divided. And without missing a beat, the cab driver said, if you had told me in my lifetime that I would drive to Hartsofim, I would sooner have believed I would walk on the moon. We are living a dream. We really, those of us in Jewish education, do have the blessing and the challenge to make that dream forever real for our students. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank, Thank you, you so much. <laughs>